Uh, hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. We are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. Indeed. We are buying, building, and operating right now uh, <laughs> wonderful internet companies. And this week, we're going to just dive right into some interesting stuff that actually you sent over yesterday, right? This is deal or it's through a site similar to Republic, which is called WeFunder. And it was a deal called UpCouncil. And this is a company that has a legal services marketplace cutting the fat out of the old law firm model. So sounds like a great idea. And so you sent this over. First of all, how did you find So Xavier Huggison posted about it on Twitter. And he was like, I believe Reg CF, Regulation CF, crowdfunding will revolutionize fundraising for micro private equity. And so they bought this company. That's a little background on this company. It raised $26 million in venture capital. It basically died. Like it, I think it completely went out of business. He bought it for maybe a million bucks. I'm not sure the exact amount. And that was 15 months ago. And now they are raising money publicly with Regulation CF at a $26 million cap on a safe note. So let me understand this. It was a venture-backed company, raised a bunch of money, cratered. He did this, we talked about on a previous episode, this sort of like venture orphans, bought it for a million bucks. So revitalized this business for basically pennies on the dollar. And then the, I'm trying to think of an analogy, the ship took off, but the trajectory is not quite as high as it was intending to be, how would you characterize the graph I'm, I'm trying to paint? Yeah, I didn't read in super detailed. What sounds like is basically like a managed marketplace. So much like Paro is Paro connects you with bookkeepers and CFOs and on a part-time basis, they connect you with lawyers and they cut out the middleman and do it that way. It sounds like the company before he acquired it was just burning a bunch of money is unprofitable, you know, kind of a classic venture orphan story. And he took it over as they were planning on just shutting it down from my understanding and kind of reorganized it, hired a pretty solid CEO with a YC background, Stanford BA, Oxford MBA. And it seems like it is improving, but they're trying to raise some money and go for it, which is like something that I've been thinking about is we acquire these businesses, Blink Sale, uh, the one we're working on now, and you acquire them, you try to run it off cash flow, but Sometimes the opportunity could be a lot bigger than what you were yeah. thinking initially. And maybe you just need more money. So if we were like a blink sale is pretty interesting, you could run it on low power mode forever, or you could really raise some capital, go after B2B payments. And we have a unique viewpoint that we really believe has potential. Like, how do you raise money for that? Do you want to go the traditional VC route? Do you want to go with angels? And so he decided to do this regulation CF, which it sounds like in the last year, some rules have changed. It started back with Obama in 2012 and then 2016, and now there's something going on. I don't know why it changed recently, but now you could raise not just from wealthy accredited individuals, which is only like the wealthiest 2% of Americans. You could raise from anyone and you could raise as little as a hundred bucks and up to 5 million bucks. And that's what he's doing. He's opening up this you know, private equity investment to the world and he has it you know, public now. And I've seen, so this is WeFunder. I've seen Republic is the one I think we've had some portfolio companies actually, or one portfolio company add on to their round using this. Uh, this was a couple of years ago and they, I think they raised, you know, close to a million dollars in addition to their other rounds from honestly, the, a lot of their, their existing users and people that love their product that put 500 to $1,000 in, some people put in 10,000. And so for this deal, it looks like on the site, I can put in $250 and there's a ticking sort of date in which here's until we can 
you can raise. I guess this one has the launch on the 20th. So you 10 days away from right now is you can put in 250 bucks and go along to the ride. But one of the weird things is like understanding how this works. So the this is open to the general public. Anybody can do it. And it's a safe note with a type of agreement. I think that that's generally, we've heard about it a ton in, in venture, but can you explain like basics of a safe note? Yeah, it's basically an agreement for future equity. So it's not a convertible note. It's not a loan. And there's no like obligation of accrued interest or maturity date, or there's no guarantee you get paid back. It's basically the best way to get future equity and like kind of punt everything down the road. Right. So it's not a priced round. It has a cap, which effectively, if they raise at a amount greater than the cap in the future, that's basically like the price of that you're investing at often with a sure. like 20% discount. So the danger here is it all only works if there's a future, like either liquidity event or future price fundraising round. Mm-hmm. And so the danger is that there's not right. They raise, <laughs> you know, a million dollars and there's never Pocket any the other future event and then nothing ever converts. And so people don't talk about this very often because normally it's in the venture space or like startups, this is like their first round of funding. They're guaranteed to need more. It doesn't really matter. This edge case where it doesn't convert, doesn't matter. TopTal, which is like another managed marketplace for developers, raised $1.5 billion in 2012 for about 15% of the company from Andreessen Horowitz and some other folks, the safe note. And then it ended up that they never raised another round. So they reached a roughly billion dollar valuation and never raised any more money. So the investors never got any equity because nothing ever converted. The other employees never got any equity and the founder owns hundred percent. And this is all completely legal. This is what the legal docs say happens. So people have nicely asked him for their money back and he gave some people their money back and then he fired like other employees are asking and they have no recourse here. Yeah. This is, it's, if you're going for a certain model and then you decide not to conform to that model, like you, you're going to not fundraise again and hey, this is just profitable and you don't need anything else. I guess that's fair. It seems like a shitty thing uh, to do. It's like everyone was sold an idea that you were going to conform to a certain model. And I I think it's a really weird place to play for this up council where they, to me, this looks like a micro PE deal. This is what we've been working around. Obviously they're buying a business that is a venture orphan. That's that's right in our strike zone. It's like they then are trying to do some form of turnaround. They're definitely t- taking a bigger swing by, and I think what is the, the val- valuation cap is around 24 million. So you essentially won't get anything until the company is sold or some liquidity event. So, Or raises if, an additional round of funding, in right. which case the equity, the safe would convert to equity. Yeah, it's just funny. It's so mixing these two things seems... Uh, a little weird. The one thing I appreciate about this specific deal that was making me laugh is that they have losses, right? It's not like they bought the business for 1.5 million and it's taking off and it's a, a great story. They've they've actually on the site there's a great little icon that has a little like man in the fetal position with money on fire. It's the net loss figure, uh, and they have 147 thousand of net loss for the, I think that the prior year is 2020. So they've raised 1.9 million. They have 1.4 in revenue. They have $84,000 of cash on hand and have a negative 10% net margin. So it's a negative 7% return on assets, which I was at first, when I looked at this, I'm like, you can't be serious to expect people to put money in. But 
now that you hear the full story, it's okay, this was a venture business. They're trying to get this back on the rails now that they've made an initial investment. And it looks like it, it could do that. If you believe in this vision, you think it's it has the right players in place. The CEO, as you were saying, has uh, a really strong background. And hey, could they turn this around? It seems like it's likely. It's not in a great place now, but it's it reminds me of, I had a technology, like my first job out of college was doing technology at an options trading firm. And it was, they let us, I think you might've told some of these stories before, but like they let us do a little bit of trading. They gave you like a thousand bucks and showed you how to, to trade options. And I remember sitting with somebody and I placed a bet essentially on something and it, it immediately uh, tanks, immediately goes down. Oh, should I buy more? And he's like, let me ask you, if you're betting on a horse and they roll out the gate and break their leg, are you going to double down <laughs> on your bet? And so it's cemented this idea that when things immediately start underperforming, they're going to continue to underperform, but, and more money may not help, but that's not always true for business. It's an oversimplification, but it reminds me of that exact case. Yeah. It's investing in startups, which are inherently super risky. This one has real like revenue, so it's not maybe as risky, but I, I think it's great that non-accredited folks can roll the dice. You could play the lottery, like this is probably better odds than playing the lottery. It's a good learning experience, whether you make money or not. So I think it's great. I think it's pretty interesting as like a way to finance micro PE deals. You could just take this to all your customers. Like we have, I don't know, thousands of people who use BlinkSale and you could go out to them and be like, Hey, we'd love to invest a bunch of money and improve the product and dramatically improve your life. Would you like to own a little piece of that? And you couldn't do that until it sounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's wild. If you see there's perks when you invest, it's just like uh, a lot of the other crowdfunding sites, you get a t-shirt thing. And this is interesting. They, they know their audience. They have specific perks for attorneys or clients, right? If you're on one side of the marketplace or the other, if you're an attorney, they're going to help you build your sort of authority. They're going to post your blog posts or write articles for you and direct connect you and help you with sales. It's not a, a terrible way to, if you have users on your platform that love it, right? And are also attorneys. They're making good money. They're not working for pennies. And if they're believers and that's what you have, this is a great vehicle to do it, right? It's, hey, we're building something you believe in. We just need more revenue or sorry, cash to build that revenue and stay around. Maybe it makes sense. The thing that I cannot get out of my head here is the top tail model where it's like, hey, this is not a venture deal. It's more of a micro PE deal where it's, someone's just going to hold it forever and they're going to enjoy the returns and there may no, be no liquidity event. So I think that's the one thing that these safe notes, at least as I go to this site and kind of look at it, and if I wasn't, didn't know what I knew, I, I would assume that I would get my money back at some point, or if the business does really well, I would get some upside, but it's, yeah, you do, but you may not. And everything can go and you still get zero return. Yeah. That is really the hiccup here is like, a lot of people that don't know the kind of nitty gritty details are going to get screwed. And that's the whole danger of opening up private investing to the public that isn't accredited and maybe doesn't have the money to lose. I, I do wonder why they went with the safe. I wonder, clearly it's legally cheaper, but I wonder if they could have done like a more priced round where maybe they take some management fees and then there's some share of profits. So if they end up never selling at least these, uh, like the little people, get some share of the profits going forward and maybe get a nice monthly yearly check or whatever. Yeah. Do we know what they've raised so far? Does the site show? It should be public. Not seeing it. It shows a lead investor, but it doesn't say how much they've put in. Oh, he, yeah, the, he put in 25,000. So they've raised some money, right? It's not nothing. Yeah. I think it shows publicly. It's not actually public yet. Now I'm thinking we may have to delay releasing this podcast 
because it's not actually open to the public for 10 more days. Oh, either way. It looks like I can put 20, can I put 250 in? Let's see, does it let me? So Xavier sent me this. So I sent it to you. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and they take an $8 fee on my $250. Ooh, I get an early bird bonus. The first million will invest in a safe with a 24 million. So if you are in on the first million, you get the, the cap for the safe note is 24 million. And if after it's 28 million, so it's like a early bird bonus. So yeah, this exactly. Is weird. This is what Gumroad did. Uh, Sahil did this with Gumroad mm-hmm. and he raised like $5 million at one valuation. And I think he bumped it up and they may be raised another 5 million. And I don't know if it like some of it was secondary, like he actually took money off the table with that, but it was a aggressively high valuation. But again, these people that are investing in this, they have no idea what like a proper valuation is for these tech companies. Right. Yeah. It's hard to know. Cool. This was really interesting to see. I'm wondering if we're going to see more of a mix of this and these micro PE deals mixed together. And I wonder if there's a better way to do this. It's where you can open it up to everybody. And then rather than using a safe note, maybe have a different mechanism that guarantees some sort of dividend. If certain conditions are met, if you were to invest in, for example, blink sale, and you put in a thousand dollars and then a year from now, we hit certain targets, you start getting dividends and returns on that. Would that be interesting to open up to the public? I'm not proposing it because it just seems like it'd be really complicated. But if this is going on for venture, why not for other uh, investment models? <laughs> heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need, to, we need to run with that idea is just build like a micro PE crowdfunding. But I saw the folks at Micro Acquire raised some money. Yes, I think this is probably Andrew's plan, at least as he's spoken about it in the past, of making this whole thing easier. And a big chunk of making this easier would be like letting you raise money for deals on a deal-by-deal basis. And Naval was one of the investors, so I'm sure they have the angel list for Michael P in mind with this. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Big fan of MicroAcquire. Yeah, it's about time. There's been all these crappy marketplaces for so long. And it's like a finally a professional marketplace that comes on the scene and it's going to dramatically improve with this funding round. I've been very yeah. impressed with what Andrew has done with no money so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a good sign. And, and it's not like he raised $20 million. I think it was a million, million and a quarter Two, or something. A 2.8. Yeah, 2. which 8. is pretty low because he's he's on a quick path to a million dollars ARR. I think he's six, 700 right now. Yeah. Seems like he's staying true to the brand, right? This is a, this is not a angelist per se, which I don't know anything about the, the funding rounds of angelist, but I do know usually on a, a venture path like that, you could have gone, you know, multiples higher. Um, but staying true to the brand, staying true to the type of, of people that are using it, I think it's it seemed like a very modest way to go and probably doesn't dilute himself too much. Yeah, I wonder what the terms are. He definitely could have raised a lot more money than this. Maybe just wanted to get those people involved because it's awesome to have Naval involved. But yeah, this is great news, especially for my little course business. Yeah. We will get bigger and bigger here. How is the course going? Uh, Really well. So I said I'm going to open it up on, I think, Wednesday. And I have a good chunk of it recorded. I probably have three more. And you have two or three that you're going to send over. I think that will be a good like V1. And then get a bunch of feedback, open it up to folks. But the response has been awesome. Like I'm super happy with the pre-order. It's been really fun to do. I'm definitely learning a ton about the course business and running something on Podia and like slowly bumping into all the limitations. 
and also seeing how much work we would have to do on avocado to make that like a credible creator economy e-commerce experience because there is a lot there a lot of features yeah and meanwhile people keep signing up for avocado like what's what or why is that happening and yet there are no there isn't a equal uptick in sales i think people are using it to uh, what the latest thing that i've seen is we've had people signing up and, and hosting like their beats like producers are using it which has been interesting to see and i didn't think about that but that's the latest sort of unattended what do they call it? management by abdication the business is still running but no one's really watching it but yeah, normally there's a ceo in management by abdication this is right. uh, the ceos have abdicated <laughs> This is a, yeah, this is akin to, yeah, it's a raft floating down a river and we're watching it go and see what happens. But as depressing as that is, it's, it it is something that, yeah, I think we're going to have to make a decision on soon. And that's how this whole podcast started, right? Yeah. That's episode number one. I was talking about it. I I still think it's interesting. So if you had a hundred thousand dollars today to spend on avocado, what would you do with it? Obviously we need, we have there's more than $100,000 of features to build. That's my one reason to, I would, yeah, I'd probably pick the niche, build, spend $40,000 on tech to build the features, try to pick one or two things that are really important, do those things really well, and then just spend the money on marketing or even just finding somebody to, to go down one specific niche and just get the MRR to a point where you know, whether it's producers and you're the next sort of, or the ideal solution for small time producers to get to sell their beats or what else? We went down romance novelists, we went down education, obviously that was, that still is very much the main piece, but going down fitness, one very specific niche, but yeah, I would split that maybe 40% to tech and 60% to marketing content and sales and see how it does and really try to, I think there's, there isn't something we've never found a bug or anything that has stopped people from checking out. But I think that there's something with the way that the checkout works or in the model that we did that like just doesn't appeal because we saw with the subscription model, we saw just signups just naturally happen and occur. And people got that. They understood how that would work in the first model we had. So for people that are listening, the very first model was you sign up for a subscription through your uh, mobile device and you get access to all the courses. Fairly straightforward. We started to transition to, which is the current state is, you find somebody's site, you check out online, and then you get access on the app, or you can listen on the app. And we transacted in a bunch of different ways as well. But yeah, I would niche down, spend less than half of it on tech and the rest on becoming the authority in that one space, whether it's through content or paid or all the various parts of acquisition. And I'd say a hundred thousand dollars would be gone in six months pretty quickly. Yeah. I generally agree with that. I think my experience with Podia, like they've spent millions of dollars in years and years to build the features they built and it is still lacking. Like they got a good, (laughs) they got enough there that like I'm transacting and everything, but it's not a perfect it's not like Shopify. It's not a Shopify e-commerce experience. It's super optimized or anything. Yeah. And so I think our only choice, unless we want to raise a big venture capital round is like to niche down and be like the best scary stories app. Yeah. That's a little saturated, but something like that, where you hire basically just content producers and you churn out content. And then when you're marketing, it's to a very niche segment. 
and you could probably convert at a pretty high rate for an all you could eat iPhone app. And we just have to, at some point, pick a segment, pick a content producer and probably slowly wrap it up. But I don't think it actually costs a hundred thousand. Like you could probably break even pretty quickly, sell annual subscriptions. There's ways around it, but yeah, at some point we should refocus on it and give it a go. Yeah. Cool. I think that's all I got on my end. Yeah. Same. Want to cover anything uh, else? No, this is good. Get your order in for my course. Yeah. Uh, recommendation, ndp.com. I'm going to raise the price. I think maybe next week, maybe the week after, once I have enough content there, I, <laughs> I saw this other woman has a very similar course for sale for $5,000. Do you want to optimize for bringing people in the door or do you want to optimize for like revenue? Um, I'm leaning more towards bringing as many people in the door as possible and like building a community on the back end sure. than like purely on revenue. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. The more people doing this, I feel like the better. And I know that it sounds, we've talked about this before, like we're creating competitors, but I feel like there's just so many, there's so many opportunities out there that it's just, yeah, there's, it's not the problem, but yeah. Also the next thing I think is, you know, start building that community up. Yes. I will add that to Podia. I do know how to do that. That's another add on, but yeah, that's it for me. Take care everyone. Yeah. Thanks for listening.